Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be white like wool. Father, thank you for what you've already done in this room today, transforming lives, changing circumstances, God, tearing down walls and defeating our enemy. We pray now, God, that you would captivate our hearts and minds, our thinking, our attention. Let your word come forth with clarity and strength and let it accomplish what you've sent it to accomplish as we give you thanks and praise for this. Amen. We continue on our study of invitations throughout Scripture. Several months ago, I was found it curious how many times the word come and the invitation to come is found throughout Scripture. It got me studying, got me looking and digging. And so I offer you this series that we will spend several weeks now studying. Some of the invitations come from God directly, from God's mouth himself while other invitations may be coming from God's people, God's anointed men or women. But when God gives an invitation, how many believe we ought to RSVP and tell God, I'm going to make that. I'll be there for that. You know, I've received many invitations over my lifetime. I told you last week about a little boy named Billy that invited me to a birthday party when I was just a little boy, and I didn't even think he knew my name, and that's where I first learned pin the tail on the donkey. I've been invited to a lot of birthday parties. Anybody ever been invited to a birthday party? Didn't you like that? Did you enjoy that? I've been invited to housewarming parties. You ever been invited to a housewarming party? What do you bring to a housewarming party, by the way? A plant, that, that's usually what, I, yeah, you bring a, bring a violet or something, I don't know. How about a dinner party? You ever been invited out to dinner with somebody or somebody calls or, or, or sends you a note in the mail and says, hey, we want you to come to a barbecue this, this Friday night. We're going to cook out and we'd like you to be there. That feels good, doesn't, doesn't it? Somebody inviting you to dinner or to lunch or even inviting you to Starbucks. You ever been invited to Starbucks? Anybody like an invitation to Starbucks? You want to go to Starbucks? How about I, I treat you all to Starbucks when we're done here? How's that sound? Anybody want to go? We'll pass that cup around until it's empty, but I'll treat you to Starbucks. That's just how big-hearted I am. <coughs> I digress. Christmas parties. I've been invited to a number of Christmas parties. Some I'm glad I was invited to. Others I wish I never received the invitation. <laughs> you know, some, there's something about Christmas parties. Anyway, by the way, on this Christmas, we are giving you a little bit of a gift of time. We're not doing a lot of what we've done in the past for Christmas. For instance, we're not doing our big Christmas production, which is all-consuming with time and energy and even a lot of money is spent and so we felt it was best just to kind of give this a breather and if nothing else we're going to give pastor moses a breather because he worked so hard for this church anyway 
And so hopefully you're disappointed just a little bit. That means uh, it, it was a good thing. If you're relieved, then I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't have been doing it all along. But we're going to take a little break, and then next year we'll hit it again, hit it stronger and bigger and better than ever. But uh, you're not going to receive an invitation, my point is, to a big Christmas production this year. So maybe you'll get an invitation to a Christmas party. I've even been invited, listen to this, I've even been invited to a, a shower. You know, it's kind of in vogue to invite the men even to bridal showers or to baby showers. Any men ever been invited to a bridal shower? Used to just be it was for the women. You ever been invited to a baby shower? Yeah, they're going to invite the men, and then they're going to make them suck on pacifiers and wrap a diaper around them or something. I think we ought to go back to the old way of, it, of, the, of the showers and the women. Uh, well, <laughs> there's all kinds of invitations. I wonder, have you ever been invited to a shower? A literal shower. Soap and water shower. A little strange, I know. Karen and I were in college. We went on a leadership retreat. What? Bad segue? I don't think I can get out of it now. Mm. I got to plow through this one. Uh... No, we never did shower together, no. Oh, Lord. I, I don't even know I should even, i, I got to move on. <laughs> we were at a leadership retreat when we were in college. And one day, it rained tremendously, and there was this area that was super muddy. It messed up our schedule for the retreat, and so we kind of made a new schedule. We improvised, and we ended up in this mud hole. The whole leadership retreat, all of us, most all of us, were muddy from the top of our head all the way down. I've never been dirtier in my life. I'm telling you, every... Every orifice had mud in it. My ears, my nose, my eyes, my mouth. I'm just telling you, I was filthy, dirty. Karen was and all this other leadership team. I never needed a shower more in my life is my point. And I was never more relieved to actually take a shower and wash all the filthiness off of me. But I've never really been invited to a shower not a real shower, not a literal shower, not until I read this scripture. Because to me, this is an invitation really to bathe. This is an invitation to a shower of a different kind. I want you to look closely at this invitation from the Lord. This invitation to come and be clean. If you look closely enough, you'll see it's an invitation to reason for some unreasonable people. That's what this invitation is all about, this invitation to cleanliness, this invitation to bathe. It's an invitation to reason to the unreasonable. Look at our, our text here, verse 18. Come now, let us reason together. This is God's chosen nation, by the way. 
God's chosen people, God's hand-picked people, his favorites. It's Israel that he's talking to here. But this nation that Isaiah lived among and the people of the day, they were in serious trouble. You see, the people had rebelled against God. Let me walk you through this first chapter all the way up to our text here, verse 18. Hopefully setting the stage, setting it in context and helping you to understand what Isaiah is saying here in chapter 1 and verse number 18. Go back to verse number 2. You'll see the rebellion of the people against the Lord. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up these children, and yet they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey knows its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not consider. Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Lord to anger, the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward, is what the scripture tells us. They were living their own life, doing their own thing. In fact, they were living life upside down. They were living life backwards. They were walking backwards, so to speak, or backsliding, walking away from God. I hope I don't trip over something and fall, which is exactly what happens when you walk backwards. People start living their own life, living life upside down, making up their own rules to fit how they want to live and hope God will get on board with that. That's what's happening here, folks. They chose to not even think about the Lord because after you start living your own life and getting off of the path and the plan that God has for you, then it's hard to think about God because you might get convicted. He might actually ask you to stop doing what you're doing here and come back to doing what he wanted you to do over here on the chosen path and plan that he had. So you don't even think about God anymore. And he says in verse number 3, even the ox know its owner and the donkey knows its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people don't even consider. In other words, he's, he's telling the people, cows and donkeys have more sense than you guys do. They even know better than that. They have more reason than you do. Sin was rampant. Corruption was everywhere. Verse number four, alas, sinful nation, people laden with iniquity, you brood of evildoers, children even who are corrupt. You see, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, does it? How could parents live one way which is inconsistent and corrupt and then wonder why their children are living out and acting out in that very same way? Because children are going to emulate and do what their parents do. Now God's grace and God's mercy can break that cycle and salvation occurs. But without that, mark my word, children will follow in your footsteps. The children were even corrupt. They've forsaken the Lord. They provoked God to anger and have turned away backward. 
These wayward ones had not responded even after God had chastened them. Because look at verse number 5 here. It says, why should you be stricken again? In other words, he'd already put the rod to them to try to get them back on track. You see, God loves his children. He loves us so much that he's willing to chastise or chasten, correct, if you will. I remember more than once, because I had acted out in an inappropriate way, maybe sassed my mom, maybe did something I just should not have done, my mother would say, you wait till your dad gets home. Oh, my. I wish my mom would have just beat the tar out of me, you know, whatever, right then. Just take care of it now. But for her to say, wait until your dad gets home, that part of it was probably worse than when dad got home. Just the waiting on dad to get home. But I knew what that meant when dad got home. You see, I was raised in another day, another time. And when my dad got home, he would take the belt right off of his britches. And he would fold it in half, snap it a time or two, maybe. Y'all are with me, aren't you? And he'd say, bend over and either touch a chair or, or uh, I had to lean against something. And my dad would take that belt to my backside because I, I, I was disobedient. I'd sassed my mother. I don't, any number of reasons. Now, I know that's not very politically correct today, and they'll take your children from your home if you do that. But I still say it worked for me, and I still say it's supported by the Word of God. That's just me. I'm not trying to make some debate on, and have the pros over here and the cons over here of rearing your children and correcting your children. I'm not trying to do that at all. I'm simply saying because my dad truly loved me and my mother truly loved me, they corrected me. They chastened me, if you will. And God chastens those he loves. And when they go wayward and they start wandering and start taking matters into their own hands and doing things that are not right, uh, disobedient, inappropriate, he will chasten them. And even, it says, what's it say? Stricken again. Bring that back up. Verse number five. Why should you be stricken again, knucklehead? Right? That's my dad. He'd be like, you must like this leather. Because I just took it to your backside last week. Now you got to, now I got to do it again? That's the last thing my dad wanted. He took no joy in that. It's the last thing God wants. He takes no joy in chastening and correcting his children. But because he loves us so much and only wants us on his path and part of his plan, he will to kind of corral us back in. Because we're wild bucks sometimes, aren't we? We just kick and jump and we want out of the, out of the little pasture area. We want to get out and do our own thing and experiment here and go live the way of the world. And you know I'm telling the truth. They were, they were sin sick. They were sick with sin and didn't even know it. 
Look at verse number six. Bring that up. Verse number six, powerful. From the sole of the foot all the way up to the top of the head, there's no soundness. No soundness from the top of the head all the way down to the sole of the feet. No reasoning here. Completely unreasonable. Interestingly, he talks about the top of the head and goes down to the soles of the feet, although it's flipped right there, the soles of the feet to the top of the head. Anyway, what's, what's right here? What's in your head? Your brain. 